One year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you here as always, each and every week. We are brought to you by Cotts Brothers Lures, K A A T Z. BROS.com, trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cotsbros has baits and lures, books, DVDs, traps, snares, all the other supplies and equipment you need to get going on the trap line. We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Turn your phone into a GPS, use it on the trap line. Lots of updates from OnX that we're going to talk about here later in the episode. And we are brought to you by the Trapping Today store. That's where you can get my lures. The Trapping Today Long Distance Call is a bestseller. That thing is uh, is selling really well this season. You can also get the Walter Arnold book, the new book uh, that was out this summer on uh, one of the old mountain men and uh, main trappers back in the day. And you can get the Mustela t-shirts. Those have been really popular as well, prize Mustelas of North American trappers. So check that all out at trappingtodaystore.com. Man, guys, it's been one heck of a couple of weeks. Um, I'm sitting here in the fur shed and looking at a bunch of fur. I've been spending most of this past week, kind of every evening, just just uh, doing a few martin at a time, doing uh, something here and there, uh, taking some of those beavers out of the freezer that I had skinned and, and rolled up and put in the freezer, and now I'm taking them out, flushing them, tacking them up on boards and stuff. But it's... Uh, Boy, it's pretty incredible. Um, I know we did that little uh, episode on the trap line while I was pulling the line last week, and I still can't get over it. 25 Martin in 14 days. That's definitely uh, the best, a personal best for me. And for Northern Maine, I think it's uh, pretty pretty incredible. I I have had seasons where I've had, I put in twice as much effort as I did this year and I've caught half as much fur and I thought I was doing pretty good but you know the conditions are different every year and you learn different things and you get better and it just sometimes it hits a point where it just kind of clicks and I hope that's what happened here I, I really do I've had a good year I've boy I've, I've trapping wise and just overall I mean it's probably the best year of my life honestly so uh, it's been pretty awesome I get to go to Alaska and trap up there. That was always a dream and kind of caught the addiction, want to go back and will go back uh, at some point here, hopefully sooner than later. And just kind of start things started clicking, coming together with a lot of different aspects of of uh, of life, I guess you could say. So anyway, that's I'm, I'm looking at all these Martin. They look pretty awesome here. And I think I'm going to send every single one of them to get tanned. So sorry for harvesters. I would have sent them there last year, but uh, the way the the market is right now, they're actually it. It sounds from Grunwald Fur and Wool that there is potentially some bright spots in the market, as well as if, if you uh, if you listen to the Trap House podcast, those guys uh, Justin and Charlie interviewed uh, Guy. I believe it was Guy Grunwald they talked with, and he he talked about. This news stuff been in the news, and I haven't had a chance to talk about it here on the podcast. But it came out uh, at least a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, Denmark 
it ordered the basically elimination of the entire mink herd in the country and so and uh, as well uh, Copenhagen fur announced that they're going to be phasing out and in the next two to three years they're going to be completely out of business this has to do with the combination of the coronavirus COVID-19 spreading in mink farms mink ranches throughout that country as well as just really poor market for furs overall not only as a result of just the cycle we're in and the economy slowing down but then that being exaggerated by the covid and so everything's kind of uh, falling apart when it comes to the ranch industry i feel bad for those guys sorry guys but uh wild fur has, has been in the tank for a very long time and so it, potentially we could see a little bit of improvement in wild fur as a result of the reduction of a lot of this this ranch fur but anyway there's a lot going on there there's a lot we could talk about in the whole interaction between wild and ranch fur we could talk about the market in general but we don't have time for that right now um tonight's episode i finally want to get around to josh my friend josh from alaska we i recorded this like a month ago we we talked for for a long time just kind of getting caught up on things and i i think you'll really like this episode i think you'll enjoy listening to us go back and forth on stuff and we we talked a lot i'm only going to play like the first 35 45 minutes of it we're going to talk kind of about how josh got started and what you know what his trap lines like up in alaska and just kind of maybe the first few years and how we met and all that stuff just a little bit of background so We'll, we'll go through that over the next few weeks, and I'm going to intersperse some other episodes in there. So I do need to do a kind of a housekeeping episode where we we do the TSBA, the tip, shout out the book and the ask. We're, we're going to do those probably when I don't have interviews. And I have a lot of questions to answer. And I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, the, the email has, you know how it is when you're, you're in the middle of trapping season it's a little can be difficult to stay caught up on emails and stuff so a lot of you guys i've tried to respond with quick short responses to most of the emails that i've gotten and i just looked before i press record here i do have some that i have not got back to so i apologize for that but i will do that shortly here maybe tonight or tomorrow morning kind of bang through all those emails and get caught up but some of them were question just emails with a bunch of questions and those are great. I absolutely love those. And I almost never have time to do, if it's a short answer question, I'll bang back an answer to you and go from there. But if it's uh, something that requires more explanation, it, I found that it's best to just do that in a podcast episode and explain it on, you know, just in kind of a conversation type of response. And so I have a whole pile of questions to to get around to and I think next week we'll get into that we'll just kind of do a question and answer thing I have I did want to share something uh, Nathan from New York I think I mentioned in last week's episode he uh, he kind of gave a report on his trap line well he he hadn't quite given a report yet he he sent me a couple of pictures of of what he caught there and and uh, just kind of thanking me I guess for some of the advice and the long distance call lure and stuff but I have the final report, so <laughs> I just wanted to read off a little bit of that because it, it really is exciting when someone gets started in trapping or started in a certain type of trapping. Like for Nathan here, it was Martin, Martin and Fisher. And to see from beginning to the end, you know, he was emailing, we were emailing like a year ago on different things and and the you know, what to look for, Martin sign, habitat, lure to use, and all that stuff. And to to actually see him go from there to, to now where he had a, a really successful trip and had a blast and absolutely caught the trapping, the Martin trapping bug, that is really rewarding to see. So just wanted to read this off to you real quick. Uh, hey, Jeremiah, my fiance and I had a blast up in the mountains. We trapped for a little over a week, and your lure did not, dis- not did not disappoint. And I will say, it's not the lure, it's the trapper. You worked hard, you found the sign, you got the right bait, you made the right sets, and the lure just kind of, 
is an enhancement to every other part of that trapping. You know, the lure, the lure does not solve other problems. The lure doesn't find fur for you. Um, but I, I know Nathan knows that, and I just hope you guys all know that. One of the best uh, lure salesmen for me <laughs> in in uh, all the people I've been around, lure makers and everything, is a guy I met at a convention, and I asked him what his favorite lure was for Martin. And he looked at me, and he looked around a little bit, and he said, my my best lure is no lure at all. He says, I'm just trying to make a living selling some lure here. So, you know, he used it and everything, but he, he was trying to get the point across that lure is not as important as all the other factors uh, that are that are in play. It just it, it may give you an edge. So, anyway, um, we ended up coming home with three Martin and four Fisher. The local environmental officer said that we produced more fur in one week than most of the locals will during the whole one-month season. In all honesty, I think we'd be coming home with twice as many critters if we hadn't gotten so much snow on the second. Six inches fell overnight and put all of our footholds out of commission for a couple days. We had a ton of activity at our sets during this time. Oh well, you live and you learn. Sadly for my partner, I'm afraid I may have caught the bug even worse than I had before we went. I'm already planning for the next Martin boom in two years. It's all I can think about. Thanks for everything you do. I'm sure I'll be reaching out uh, as we prepare for our next line. Take care. Good luck filling all your Martin tags. Thank you, Nathan. That is really cool to see. I absolutely love it. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that's what it's all about. That That is absolutely what it's all about. Um going through from from beginning to end uh, a successful trip hard work preparation scouting and then to see the results there that's pretty awesome now i want to get into the latest updates from on x maps on x hunt app so you guys a lot of you have have signed up and started using this a lot of you have used it already and again on x it, it's something that I use regularly on my phone and it's incredibly convenient for a wide variety of different things, not just trapping, not just hunting, like it was designed for hunting. I use it everywhere. So this, you know, you've had the trap TRAP. If you are listening to this anytime, probably in the next year or so, that code should still work to give you 20% off of the, uh, your first purchase at onyxmaps.com and so if you purchase your your regular membership or your elite uh, premium or elite memberships you will get uh, 20% off but onyx is doing a special black friday sale and so if you haven't gone ahead and and purchased the premium or elite memberships on the app now is the time to get it done onyxmaps.com cuz you're going to not only are you going to get that 20% off, you can tack on an extra 10%. So if you use the code THANKS30, that's thanks three zero, and I believe it's capital T there, you're going to get 30% off of premium or elite memberships on the Onyx Maps website. And this sale runs from November 23rd to November 30th. So this is the Black Friday Onyx sale. 30% off uh, of memberships using the code THANKS30. No spaces or anything there. So that is a great opportunity to get on X. But in addition to that, you remember when we had Jared Larson on and we talked about all of the different ways to use on X and all that. But he also, toward the end of the episode there, we talked about some new things that were coming. And he said, well, I can't quite let you in on it just yet because we haven't released those. But he said, Pretty much in the next month, you can expect to to see some really neat things. And so, w- one of those things, of course, was the the big improvement they made to uh, waypoints and how you mark waypoints made it a lot quicker and easier and more uh, flexible. But the there are some new features in addition to that. There is uh, there's a 3D mode that they've come out with. Now, this doesn't work on the phone yet. It works on you. You have to get on your desktop or your laptop, and if you get in the Onyx uh, app on your, it, of course, if you have Onyx on your phone, you have a login that you can you can get into that program anywhere, any computer, device, whatever, and you can see all of your waypoints and everything once you're logged in. You can see your maps and your tracks and everything else. So it's really it's really nice because it's flexible. You can use it on any across any device and everything saves across devices and all that. 
Well, you can go on the desktop app and uh, or, or the website, the web app is what they call it, and you can view maps now in 3D. So you get an entirely different view of of the area that you're going to be trapping or hunting or fishing or whatever, and and it's it's pretty incredible. Now you cannot do that on the phone. However, uh, I have a feeling that pretty soon over the next, I don't know how long it's going to take, but they're they're probably going to make that a feature that's available across all platforms, including your phone. But here's some other features that are coming soon. New wind and weather, live wind and weather on the app. You can see hour by hour forecast for wind speed and direction for the next eight days at any spot on your map. Plan for the wind before you head to the field. Weather updates come from more than 100,000 weather stations with Onyx looking for refreshed data every 15 minutes. Large intuitive visuals make it easy for hunters and trappers to identify upcoming weather patterns and make in-the-moment decisions based on key weather factors and trends. Precipitation barometric pressure are displayed in easy-to-understand bar charts. So what what does this mean? It means you're going out to set coyote traps on a road and you remember we talked in the past about the prevailing wind. Whatever that wind direction is coming from is going to impact whether animals are going to smell your bait or lure at your set. And you know the animals are typically going to be traveling down the the easiest path, you know, the roadway for the most part. If if you're going down a road and you're setting off a road, it's more likely the coyotes are going to be coyotes and fox and other critters are going to be traveling down that road as well. And depending on what side of the road you make your set, that can have a huge influence on whether you make a catch or not. Because the prevailing wind, if the wind's coming from the south and you set it on the north side of the road, an animal can go right by your set and not smell it. So wind makes a big difference. And now with this Onyx app, you can pop into the app and you can see what the wind direction is going to be in in the weather forecast real quick and easy while you're marking your sets and checking your location and all that. So it just adds a little more efficiency there and helps you maybe maybe get a little edge uh, by playing the wind. Maybe... You've got a south wind, and but the weather forecast has shown that that wind's going to shift to the north the next day. I mean, that, that can make a difference. So keep that in mind. Oh, this other feature, trim tracks. This is this is huge. Uh, it's so funny because I, I can absolutely, I've done this so, so, so many times, guys. And I know you've done it as well. Where you're, you're recording a track on the app. And you're going through and you're running your traps and you're, you're setting traps and doing whatever. And you're done and you drive home. And if you're where I'm Martin trapping, you know, I'm 30 plus 30, 40 miles from home. Um, usually at least 40, at least this year. And I get home and oh, I forgot to shut the tracker off. And so my track shows, you know, from the trap line, driving the road all the way back home. And I've done that a million times. And so I pull up my tracks and they all show like, a, you know, a bunch of little road systems and everything in the area of the trap line. And then it shows this long track all the way back to the house. You can trim those off now. So this new feature um, says it's it's an all too common scenario that our users forget to turn off their tracks <laughs> and then drive home. Our solution focuses on helping clean up extraneous track data at the beginning and end of tracks by using the trim track functionality. While this isn't a solution for the original problem, leaving your track on when you're done, it does let users clean up their tracks, making them more useful and less cluttered. And you'll also be able to trim old tracks with this function as well. So you can just cut off that section where you left your trap line and you drove home. Uh, Coming soon, they're going to have elevation profile for tracks and lines. So you can see the elevation changes and and, uh, all that along your tracks. And you're going to have the ability to create markups in 3D mode uh, on the web or in iOS and in your Apple devices. So those are some of the new latest features and updates. And the, the cool thing about Onyx is they're always making improvements and staying, you know, getting ahead of things. And anytime that you have a concern or an issue or something you'd like to see, make sure to contact them because they they collect all that information. If they get enough users that have that same issue, they're going to go ahead and, and find a way to fix it or find a way to add that feature. So onyxmaps.com, 
Check that out. Promo code THANKS30 for the next week. And after that, uh, promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, is going to get you 20% off. Thanks on X. Thanks, you guys, for listening in. And we're going to get into the interview with Josh from Alaska. This was a long time coming. A lot of fun catching up with an old friend. And there's more of this to come after we're done. You want to talk trapping or what? Yeah, I always like trapping trapping. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Josh Fisher. Um, first though, you, you really, uh, rolled out the red carpet for me this winter on my layover there in Fairbanks. Appreciate that. Is that, is that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was flying in and I really wasn't sure if I was going to have a place to stay and I hadn't taken a shower in three weeks and, uh, I was coming out of the bush and yeah, I stunk. And so nobody would take me in and then you showed up at the airport. <laughs> Oh man, I had to see you. Been too long since I had seen you, so the place is always open to good friends. So I want to say it's been fifteen it, years. Yeah, it has been. It's been too long. So just for a little background, I'll tell you my side of the story. How I met you, I remember that I was a wildlife student at the University of Maine in that wildlife program. And I was taking all these classes, you know, with other students and, and I'd always like field trips and stuff. And, and I'd always start these conversations with people about trapping and, and they all knew I was a trapper, but nobody else was really into it. I was talking about wanting to go to Alaska and trap in this wilderness trap line and, and build a cabin and do all that. And uh, Lindsay Seward was one of our instructors in one of those classes and she kind of overheard that a little bit she she knew i was a trapper i think i'd given her like martin carcasses to do some research work on and stuff and and she overheard that one day and she's like i get someone you need to meet she said there's this kid josh and he's here from alaska on exchange and she gave me your information and that the rest of that was history yeah I remember she came and uh, asked me to stay after for a minute after class. And I was like, oh, crap, what did I do? You know, I thought I was in trouble or something like that. <laughs> he goes, there's this, this kid in here that has always wanted to go to Alaska and go trapping. And uh, was like, would you be interested in sitting down and talking to him? And I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. And I think it was like the next time we had class is when all that went down. And we went to the union, didn't we? Yes. Or did we go over to the Yeah. I, just, yep. I remember we went and we sat down and we talked for like three or four hours. It was a long uh, time. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was definitely a while. Yeah. But I don't. Did you have did you have your gadgets here then, or was it like the first time I came over it, to your house? It was when first time you came over to my house, yeah. And it was probably one of those nights that we should have been partying with all of our friends, and instead we were sitting <laughs> at my kitchen table. And we probably did this three, four different times at least. We were sitting oh, definitely at, sitting at my kitchen table with the Alaska gazetteer, like pointing at places on the map where we wanted to trap and where. Because you had the you had the knowledge of the area, and I had I was just like this dreamer, you know. And so I'd point it. I'd be, what about there? What about that area? Oh yeah, so and so has a trap line there. And you'd be like, but if we went over here, we could. I know a friend that has an access trail in this spot, and if we cut a trail off of there, we could probably have a little Martin line there. <laughs> Super ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jim Furman told me it's a lot easier to cut trail from the kitchen table. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> but that was pretty awesome. What? How the heck did you end up in Maine anyway? Um, I just came on an exchange from UAF, you know, up here in Fairbanks. Just wanted to go and see other parts of the, the country. And I, my girlfriend at the time was, uh, she was from Philadelphia and she wanted to go somewhere. And it was a toss-up between uh, Maine and Missoula, Montana. And I'd never been to the East Coast, and I was like, well, I want to go to the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Came out, okay. And I, I was was only going to come for that first semester, but ended the 
ended up staying for the second semester too because it was starting to kind of like I met people like you and stuff like right as I was thinking about leaving and yeah and started you know started learning the area more like I got to go out uh, county road and all that and see all that cool stuff there and just wasn't you know wasn't ready to be done wanted to explore more yeah yeah what what was like your impression of of that part of the northeast um there's a lot more people than i thought there was going to be uh being like bangor south I, I hadn't been north until around christmas time i, I went up and um to like Presque Isle and Caribou. And then we went all the way up to, um, what's the, what's the town like right at the Northern tip Fort right Kent. along Canada. Fort, Fort, Fort Kent. Kent. Yeah. Fort Kent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Went all the way up there. It's actually where I went to high school, right, right on the border there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we talked about that. Um, and was surprised like got up there and it's like farm country, potato country and all that. And, um, and then a little bit later, even got to go over by like Moosehead Lake and see those areas out there. And, and that was more of like what I expected Maine to be like, Yeah, um, was, was more rural. So, Sa- I, Sa- I Saudi, Dead, Saudi Deadwater. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah. <laughs> the infamous <laughs> I mean, trip. Yes. Uh, Toby, Toby drugged me up there actually. Yeah. I should have got him on this. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to him since probably 2006. Yeah, he still talks about taking his bike and and riding up there to see you though. Yeah, yeah. I I, w- I wouldn't put it past him at all. He he loves riding his bike. So you but, and then you went back to Alaska. You you were working for Fish and Game for you'd been working for them for quite a while at that time, right? Yeah, I'd done. When I came back, I think that was my fourth season with them. And I did two more with them. Uh, the last one I did was the summer of 2006. Yeah. So that was, and all, I was just a fisheries technician there, just quote unquote. But um, I kept trying to get onto the wildlife side, but they uh, really wanted guys that had degrees or were working on PhDs and stuff like that. And that uh, got passed up a couple of times for some wildlife jobs that kind of put me off so yeah, I decided and, I needed to grow up and get a real job right because those jobs were not full-time permanent right those techs right yeah yeah nine nine months maybe 11 months but you're talking you know 14 bucks an hour or something like that and that's kind of the low end for the yeah, living quality cost of living's pretty high there yeah. yeah yeah so you you moved on and and uh got a more of a full-time gig Yes, sir. Got into driving trucks and running heavy equipment. And it's worked out well because, you know, my schedule that I have now, I week on, week off, well, it's typically what it is. It gives you a lot of free time for going and doing the things you love to do. Right. And you were one of those transplants, right? Are you are you from Alaska? Or are you from, like, North Dakota? Well, I, I grew up up here. Um moved up here when I was four and my dad was in the military and then we got stationed in North Dakota for a couple of years. And as soon as I could come back up here, I was in the car and coming back up <laughs> and been up here ever since it was so two, spring of 2000. So are you, back. Can, you considered a local now? I don't know. <laughs> Pro- probably. I think it depends on who you ask. But I, I, technically yeah i'm a transplant but right. yeah it's it's so funny like up here it's the same way where if you weren't born and raised in this area you're you're uh you're not from here and you could live here for 40 years and have kids and grandkids and you're still not from here yep yep that's you know my wife always pulls that over on me now she's a local because she was born here and it's <laughs> I, I yeah I don't know it it all depends <laughs> on who you talk to I I consider myself a local but I suppose you start splitting hairs with somebody over over that and you might yeah <laughs> go down a different trail <laughs> so how'd you get started trapping 
Um, well, I, I always enjoyed when I was a kid, I made this little box trap, um, out of plywood and I was probably eight when I made that. I think my dad helped me make it, you know, just like a trap door style thing. Um, and and I would try to catch squirrels Mm -hmm. and and it was probably because it was difficult to do, but eventually I did catch a squirrel and I chewed a hole out the back of it and got out. And then I figured out I put wire mesh over it. And then I started catching squirrels and, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then I kind of grew out of that probably when I got a BB gun and started shooting squirrels. Um, and then it just kind of, I didn't do anything else with, with trapping until I was, 17 i would say and then just got bit by the bug again you know just one day was like i want to trap (laughs) and and so i got some books and started reading about fox trapping and was like okay i need number twos i'm gonna go buy some number twos and um for you know for fox trapping in the snow and um i bought some number ones for martin trapping and uh, jumped on my snow machine and took off from the house and was like, I'm going to go catch some fox and some marten. And I had probably <laughs> 10 traps. And that was out like Fairbanks, and, North Pole area? Yeah, that was out in North Pole. And and I went out behind the high school and out on the Tanana River and got on this little island on the river. I was like, yeah, there's got to be marten here. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm a couple miles from town. There's definitely going to be marten here. Sure. <laughs> Man, I was naive. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I built some pole sets and, um, I guess you'd kind of, I, I would call it a cubby now, but made like some cubby sets on the river with driftwood and stuff like that, that that was frozen into the ice for Fox and, and went about doing that for almost an entire season. And I caught, I think three flying squirrels <laughs> and a couple of snowshoe hares <laughs> <laughs> and was just super discouraged. And I didn't understand like why these Fox would just like walk right by my sets and why I wasn't catching Martin and what I thought was fantastic Martin habitat. Sure. And <laughs> you know, there's, there's big spruce trees here and there's squirrels and there's grouse. And I was like, what, what more does a Martin want? Right. You know, and, <laughs> and I just didn't, you know, I just didn't understand it. And, and then I just kept at it the next year. I, um, I did it again and, and didn't catch anything but squirrels and rabbits again. Same, and, same uh, place, it, same line. No, no. I tried a little bit different places and, um, and that next year I actually had wolves that came by. Ooh. Um, yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. I, I can catch a wolf in a number two. I think it, you know, that'll work. It'd be better <laughs> if I had a number nine, but I can't afford a number nine. I'm only, you know, 18 or 19, whatever I was. Um, and then I had another small line that I did very well catching squirrels on. And, and, um, and that season kind of went by, just still couldn't get it figured out. Couldn't, I just didn't know why I wasn't catching Martin, you know, I'm trapping in spruce trees and that's what everybody said to look for Martin. Were you seeing any, any lynx tracks or anything? Uh, I don't remember. Um, that was the early 2000s. So, yeah, they, they were probably around because I know rabbits were pretty high in 2000. I remember seeing a lot of rabbits in me and my buddy Robert uh, shooting quite a few of them. So I'm sure there were cats around. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I did do some skinning for um, one of my teachers in high school. He picked up a, a roadkill cat and asked if I could skin it out so that he could get it tanned and use it for his, uh, his, his zoology class that he had. And so I did that. So I'm, I'm sure if there are cats getting hit by cars, there was a lot around right. because that's about the only time that happened. Yeah. Um, and, and then the next year I didn't do any trapping. Uh, I was going to school full-time college then. And then the following year after that is when I came down to Maine. Um, I think so you, that's really, right anyway. you weren't very experienced trapper when we met. No, 
No. <laughs> I was good at catching squirrels. <laughs> um, but I had, by then I had you met had Tristan. The yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I got bit hard that, that first year that I was pretty determined that I was going to catch something after that. And then your coworker and, at, at uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, is that, was that Tristan? Uh, well, it was fishing game first, but yeah. Okay. But yeah. That's what I met Tristan at fishing game and, and he kind of grew up trapping and he, but when I'd met him, he'd caught wolves and lynx and, um, I don't, he'd only caught a couple Martin cause there weren't, there just aren't a lot of Martin right close to town. Yeah. And you know, unless get a little further out and he grew up down on the, the Tanana 20 miles out of town. So they had a Martin every now and then. And, uh, yeah, but I started hanging out with him and, and that's how I knew a lot of that stuff already was from talking to Tristan because he knew people yeah, out okay. in the bush. Yeah. And, you know, like when we were looking over there by the Nowitna and everything, when I was talking about Nate Turner's line out there and and whatnot, that's all information that I learned from Tristan. And Yeah. Um, yeah, and then ended up down there in Maine. And when I got back, that's, that's kind of really when I started getting things figured out. Um, I took, I took that winter off and I didn't go to school and Tristan and I, um, started trapping together. Actually, I, I kind of had my own phone lines around town and, uh, and then he had his line that he grew up trapping and, um, and then we also went down and ran another line together and that's where I ended up catching my first cat and my first Martin. But the first, actual fur bear i caught was a fox yeah and i caught that on a on a moose that fell through the china river fell through the ice there and the fox were going to it and there was actually a pack of three wolves that were running and they were hitting it too and uh yeah it was a nice nice red fox and what kind of set was came, it came, um i guess it's, i guess you'd call it a flat set you know, <laughs> with the moose as a backing <laughs> yeah yeah with the with the moose rump sticking out of the ice as a backing yeah <laughs> nice yeah and that was a that was in a number two i think i might have figured out i needed number threes by then for cats and stuff but i think that wasn't a number two and it was right on the river and that was i don't know that was a cool sight to 20 year old coming down the bank and here's your first oh, fox yeah. and hung up you know and he's jumping around and you can hear the chain rattling and stuff yeah as you know as you're down and yeah i thought he was going to get away so it, i was <laughs> you know i didn't know anything about what it looked like when they got caught in a trap and and so i had to shoot and like i shot him from across the river <laughs> with my 22 <laughs> i was like he's gonna get out and <laughs> just super super excited about it and yeah. yeah yeah now i hope you were smarter than me and you you still have that pelt from that first animal i don't yeah i sold all mine <laughs> i sure yeah i uh yeah i sold all mine and i kicked myself for that too but since uh since then that winter i kept my first cat and actually made a hat for kim out of that that was the hat you saw yeah no, yeah, that was my first cat that I caught. Nice. And I went ahead and made the, the wife a hat out of that. And uh, and then my first Martin that I caught was on that same line, but we needed the gas money, so Tristan <laughs> and I sold those. <laughs> so you guys were kind of running a semi-full-time trap line, or three-trap yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much all we did all winter. We, we predator called and we trapped and... We uh, caught that one cat, a couple Martin, quite a few coyotes. I caught my first coyote that winter, too. And um, we caught a wolf, which would have been my first wolf, too, but somebody uh, somebody stole that. Hmm. That was pretty disheartening. We found this moose kill on the Tanana in between Fairbanks and uh, Tristan's parents' house downriver, and... Uh, had this this perfect set that wolves were coming in on their trail and they were jumping over this log so we hung a snare where they were coming over the log and man sure enough when when they came back we nailed one of them and 
we got all excited. It, it got 40 below for like two weeks. And, uh, I think one day it warmed up to like 20 below, but Tristan and I were both busy so we couldn't run down and check the sets. Um, and we waited for it to warm up again before we went out and, uh, we got there and there's footprints going up like new footprints going up in there. And it's like, Oh man, and we could see the wolves in the back and whatnot. We get up there and yeah. sure enough, yeah, somebody cut the snare and it was only missing nine inches. I remember Tristan and I measured it. It was only missing nine inches and they, they must've cut it off right close to the, you know, the lock and everything. But right. From what we what we found at the scene and everything, we we figured it was a black wolf. There was some black wolf hair kind of frozen in the snow and stuff like that. So someone thought it would be pretty uh, cool to take home, huh? Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, that's pretty pretty disheartening. But you must have you, know, you must deal with a lot of competition around there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, if that's what you you know, there's only what four four roads really coming in and out of Fairbanks. So anything within, I'd give it a, a hundred miles that you're, you're going to have pretty good competition. Yeah. And how do you deal sure. with that? Do you, do you avoid trapping certain areas or do you like just take your losses or, I mean, how do you, how do you approach that trapping around all that competition? Um, I try to. I just kind of try to be sneaky about where I put stuff and I try not to leave like solid trails going into, you know, my sets. And if I'm trapping around town, yeah. Um, but that's, that's really about the only really bad experience I've had. I've had a couple of traps stolen open water beaver trapping. Um, but, but that's it, you know, and I mean, essentially in 15 years of trapping. So so generally people are pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, it's, especially when you start getting further out of town and you got guys that have like their dedicated lines and everything that people are pretty ethical yeah with all with all that and um you just you know if you got a problem with somebody say stepping on your toes or whatever on your line then you can kind of just leave a note hey you know i've been trapping here this long and you know do you mind type thing and, and some guys take that well and some guys get mad and it, but there's kind of just this unwritten code of ethics it's actually it is written i guess because it's in the trapper reg but <laughs> trapper code of ethics and it's just something the alaska trappers association came up with and yeah they prefer you know, not to be regulated with registered trap lines like canada has um and, right and the system seems in most places in most cases it's worked really well surprisingly well yeah considering the Yep. Know, the amount of people. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you have your little tiffs here and there, but most of the time the guys settle it between themselves and, and, you, and you, carry on with life. When, you, when you're on, like, near town and you're on the major rivers and stuff, you probably just assume that you're going to have other people. You can't claim the Chena River, right? I mean, the Tananar River in Fairbanks, that's my line. I mean there's certain places where if you didn't cut out a trail, then you probably have to accept the fact that, you know, anybody can trap here. Yep. Yeah. It's just, I mean, the rivers are just like roads up here. So, yeah. you know, it's the same thing, guys. I trapping up the, up North, up the, the highways up North or, you know, there's more than one guy that does that. And, and each guy's got their spots, you know, and nobody really messes with anybody. And, nobody really owns the road so it's you know even when i was trapping up there um every year it's you know the guys that i knew they were up there they had their sets in their places and i avoided them and i had my sets in my places and they avoided them and we we all got along just fine sounds pretty good (laughs) yeah so where'd you go to after that first full-time year how'd you progress from there um I trapped a little bit around town for the next three years, I would say. I was I was really just too busy working to do much anything. I'd work six and seven days a week for almost four years. And it made it kind of hard, but I trapped just, just right around town and along one of the local creeks. And 
caught my first mink and tried to catch my first otter, but otters and I don't get along, so <laughs> how come? <laughs> so you have to hang up those. I don't know. It's not just otters don't like me, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I need to eat more fish. That's that's what I always don't. tell everybody with my wolves and stuff. Is I can catch wolves because I eat salad, so I must smell like a rabbit or something. Right, right. Do you want me to send you one of my otters? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll catch my own eventually. I might have to come down there, and you can show me how to do it. But Yeah, you do need to come down and catch a fisher, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, or, you... or I need to come up, and we need to go down to southeast, and I can catch an Alaskan fisher, and you can too. What's so special about them? <laughs> They're from Alaska. <laughs> There's only like 13 that I've ever been caught, I think. So. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really like those odds. <laughs> no, they're not very good. There's, supposedly there's, there's one drainage that has produced the majority of them. It's one a year or something like that. It's about what they get out of there. But Yeah. It, kind of like, and you can only, I think, keep one. Yeah, it's kind of like a wolverine in Montana. I did see tracks once, yeah. but there, there were the quote statewide quota was three, and there was only a couple areas that they that they came out of. Uh huh. And uh, I don't really like those odds. That's why I like kind of like muskrat trapping. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you might have to show me some of that too, because I've only ever caught a handful of muskrats. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny because when I think of Alaska, I I just have that image of like the Delta or the Yukon Flats and these guys in these little canoes like shooting rats in the spring and just loaded and loaded with rats um, yeah but it's I don't know I when I was there this winter I didn't see a lot of rat push-ups yeah I think it all depends like if you get out into the flats I think you do have that but definitely not around here and most of the other places I've ever been you just don't see the push-ups yeah so how how do you like to trap rats uh, I'll chop a hole in the push up and put a leg hold in there. Yeah. And if you don't if you don't find one, you they do they make houses there? I uh, I've never seen one. I'm sure they're around. They might just be more of, you know, bank dens. Yeah. But I just I've never done good with rat trapping. Cuz you don't have like you were mentioning earlier, you have a very limited open water opportunity. Would you say your your season starts uh, late September, mid late September, for beaver, and you already got ice right now? Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. It's, and I don't. Th- I think rat doesn't even open until November first. Okay. Um, but the time, I guess, the time where you could get more of that is right at ice out, because I think the season stays open into June. But that's just something I've. I guess I've never gotten into. Yeah. So after your first big year, what'd you do? After my first big year? Yeah, that first year you and Tristan were trapping in the wintertime. Well, yeah, I, I, like I was saying before, I'd kind of just around town here for a couple of years. And, and then when I got on with my current job, um, I ended up staying at remote uh, work camps and stuff like that on the, on the hall road and, um, started trapping up there after work. Yeah. And, uh, and then I had some, I ran, there's, oh, six years I ran a pretty consistent line. I ran about 35 miles, um, on, on one of the roads up there. And, then uh, about 15 on another one of the roads and then i had a couple of small foot lines that i ran um right close to camp there maybe maybe a mile's worth of foot lines and uh that's when i picked up my first wolf and started figuring out how to catch those things yeah you know, everybody talks about how wolves, how hard wolves are to trap. I, I think a coyote's harder. Really? But limited, yeah. I think limited experience with coyotes is just that 
Um, and I think maybe part of that is the wolf knows their top dog. Yeah. And and a coyote, you know, a wolf kill a coyote, but so I think a coyote's a little more suspicious of of anything, you know. If there's a if you got a bait pile out, it's and the wolves have been into it, especially it's you know a coyote's going to think, am I going to go in there? Are there wolves around? Whatever that is, but I I've had a lot more luck catching wolves than I had coyotes, hmm. and I don't know, maybe it's just my personal experience, but. Now, when you get north of town, you probably don't have very many coyotes up there? The further north you get, yeah, you start running out of them. When you start getting up by the Yukon River, that's that's where you start really seeing them um, curtail off. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's because, you know, obviously there's no, you know, it's pretty remote and there's no civilization there. and So you have more wolves and stuff in the yeah, the wolves must the wolf, be the only thing holding them back. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a big part of it because you know fox and stuff do, you do think, well up there. Do you think that's why uh, the coyotes seem to be closer to, to town because the wolves are a little shyer near town, and so the coyotes are kind of doing doing the same thing the foxes did in the northeast when coyotes moved in. The foxes all kind of yeah. just went towards the houses and town, and and the coyotes kind of roamed the the big country. Yep. Yeah, I do think that's that's a lot of what goes on. So definitely, there used to be a lot more fox around town. You know, talking to old timers and stuff that that trapped here back in the '70s and '80s before there were any coyotes around. Yeah. And then yeah, and then when the coyotes came in, they you know really pushed the fox out or killed them. Yeah. And kind of took the place. That's interesting. But yeah, and I mean, there's there's wolves around right around Fairbanks that that one that got stolen from Tristan and I we were probably about six miles out of town hmm. was it pretty bold yeah and and there's um out by my parents house in North Pole there's there's been wolves out there and I don't remember if it was this spring or last fall um just I mean as the crow flies about a mile out of like the busy shopping area right in Fairbanks there was a wolf running down one of the local roads there somebody actually had a picture of it hmm. um, just a single you know single black wolf was all it was but I mean it, that happens and there's bears we've had like grizzly bears and stuff right in town you know we're still still edge of the if you want to say that edge of the wilderness Right. You know, there's uh, no doubt. North of no doubt, because when you get, you know, when I get up, up on the plane and you start to head out north out of Fairbanks, you know, it's not very, you don't have to go very far and you, you're in the woods. Right. Yeah. Right. You get about five minutes on the airplane and you're not looking at houses anymore. <laughs> nope. Nope. You're, it's, it's all trees and a few trails interspersed and through the trees and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible country. Yeah. It's so big huge i and yeah. i go over it and i'm like i'm i'm just looking down i i i didn't i spent every single minute of those flights like looking down and sometimes you get clouds in the way and you couldn't see and everything but i the biggest thing and i wonder is like i wonder if someone's got a trap line there i wonder whose line this is on <laughs> does anyone have a cabin yeah. here is there you know, it's, yeah because it's just oh, such man. i do the same thing it's such big country yeah it is so you were trapping up on the the hall road. Was that like timber country, or was that mostly open? Um, it it depended on where I was at. Part of my line went went through um, a big open area, like um, alpine area. Uh, just just kind of barely getting into tree line, just just a little bit above that. Um, and I actually would still catch Martin up there you would never see the tracks or anything like that but it, just because they'd probably blow in and stuff with the snow but i would catch martin up there really in the trees and the line yeah um but where i do pretty good on my wolves and whatnot that was down in the trees yeah um definitely definitely better on the the alpine edges and stuff when i started catching wolverine it was was better up there yeah, tell me about your Wolverine trapping experience so I can get jealous. 
he could get jealous. <laughs> well, I uh, I started when I, I when I started like getting serious about my lineup there and everything. My goal was to catch a wolf, and the the first year that I uh, really went hard at that, I caught my first wolf in a lynx cubby. It was surprising <laughs> to me when I got there. Yeah. Just a set of eyes. I was always checking everything in the dark. I mean, not not just because I was doing it after work, but just because it gets dark in the winter up here, which you you kind of you got to experience that. I, I guess. was kind of on the edge of it though. It was like you could. It was daylight from like ten to three thirty or four. It was yeah. It, well, actually, no. It was toward the end. It was getting light, probably around nine o'clock, and it was probably yeah. It must have been light till four four thirty or something like that. You yeah. you remember yeah. more than me. You spent more days in it than I did, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I yeah I, I can't imagine it, that when it was middle you know twenty first of December it was probably pretty dark most of the day. Yeah, you you only get a few hours of, of light, you know, and so you just get used to doing things in the dark up here, setting traps in the dark, running with the headlamp or or whatever. So yeah, when I walked in on my little lynx line that I walked, I got to my, my last cubby there. And I could, you know, as I was coming in, I could hear the chain rattling and I was like, Oh, cool. I got, you know, I got a cat. And I get up in there and here's these two, two green eyes looking at me. I was like, <laughs> That's a pretty big cat. Those eyes are pretty far apart. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to where I'm starting to see color and I'm like, Oh, Oh, that, that's a wolf. <laughs> you know, and holy cow! And, it's, and you know, he's in. I had him in a number three. That you know, that's my cat trap. Is my go-to cat traps a number three? Number but, th- like a number three round jaw, uh, square jaw, like a I, I, Bridger I, Northwoods. Yeah, it's a, yeah, Bridger number three offset. Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of I, I started bulletproofing my traps. Um, oh yeah, after I get that. I get that, I get that on my list. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That year that, that Tristan and I trapped, he hung up one other wolf in a Victor number four double long spring. And all that wolf had to do was jump off the cut bank, and it just pulled that trap apart. It pulled the jaws out of the levers and uh, the spring eyes and all that stuff. It just, that trap just crumpled. And after I saw that, I was like, all right, I need to beef my traps up. Yeah. I was like, just in case I ever catch a wolf in a, in a lynx trap or a wolverine, you know, wolverine are notorious for destroying traps too. And, yeah. Now, what and people, so, people don't, may not realize if they're not familiar with this type of trapping is wolves very rarely will go near a cubby. Right. right? They, they don't like those tight, close areas, right? Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, part of it, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a structure too. It's, it's not something that's I would call natural, um, but this is that that was a pup that got caught in there. It was a pack of eight that came in. Okay, and it was a pup. He was sixty-eight pounds is all the bigger he was, but um, that's the only wolf that I've ever caught in a cubby of the what, fifteen I've caught now. Okay, that's it for this week's episode guys thanks for tuning in i i've recorded this about six times now and for some reason i can't seem to get it um get it all together but josh and i had a lot of fun in that chat and we've got lots more to share with you in future episodes we're going to end tonight with a message from cots brothers lures Cots Bros is aggressively buying glands this season. All glands, caster, and essence. Check out the blog at cotsbros.com for current markets. With fur prices down, take advantage of this opportunity to add a little more profit back into your trap line. Guys, they're paying $80 a pound for beaver caster. They're they're buying oil sacks, they're coyote glands, fox glands, bobcat, gray fox, a whole pile of different things they're buying. So if you are producing any amount of fur and you want to make a little extra money with these low fur prices, or even if fur prices are high, guys, $18 an ounce for skunk essence. You know, a syringe and a needle and some gloves, you can you can pull together a lot of skunk essence if you got a, a skunk line going. So check that out, cotsbros.com. And uh, take advantage of that opportunity because when they 
when they sell it, when they buy a bunch of stuff and, you know, when Kyle gets all he needs and he feels like he doesn't, um, you know, he's not going to need any additional supply, he may stop buying. So that's the way the market works. So take advantage of that while you can. Check it out, cotspurs.com. And again, thank you so much for listening in. We will catch you on the next episode. Until next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping, and get out there, set some traps. Have a great week, guys.